On today's episode of the TV Yearbook, we discuss the anatomy of sprinkles, honey potting, and an all-new charisma scale. So don't touch that dial. The TV Yearbook starts now. Hello and good morning, good evening, or good night, depending on when you're listening to this podcast. And welcome to Season 3, Episode 5 of the TV Yearbook. It's a podcast about the best and worst episodes of iconic television shows. I am your first host, Greg. And I am your second host, Dom. In each episode of the TV Yearbook, we pick a popular TV show from the past and use the internet to discover its best and worst episodes. Then, we'll discuss them through the lens of today. And just like your high school yearbook gave superlative awards, such as most likely to invest in Dogecoin and least likely to prevent any forest fire, at the end of the show, we will share our superlative awards. Right, James? That's right, Dom, and I am your third host, James. If you are new to the show, in season one of the TV yearbook, we looked at 80s crime-fighting shows. In season two, we looked at 90s sci-fi. And here in season three, we have been reviewing shows in the TGIF lineup. Our show today ran for five seasons, starting in 1992. The show was created by Full House creator Jeff Franklin, who also wrote the movie Summer School. Mm. You guys know that movie? Nope. With Never seen it. Mark Harmon, Kirstie Alley? Nope. Mark Harmon, no. He's the NCIS guy. We should do an episode on summer school. It's awesome. Anyway. There are so many other movies I'd rather do. Anyway, the show's first season started with high ratings, but slowly declined over the course of its run, though it stayed relatively high during its fifth and final season. It also had three different opening theme songs. Oh. And at one point, Alice Cooper was approached to compose a theme song what? for the show. But he mm. ultimately declined huh. because I guess he learned the show wasn't about him. I'm not Wait. Mr. Cooper. Forget it. Because our show today is Hanging with oh, Mr. Cooper. There you go. Hey, y'all, what's up? What's my theme music? <laughs> Before we get to the show, we want to take a moment to let you know that if you like what you're hearing, you can support us at patreon.com backslash the TV yearbook. Supporting us gets you early access to our episodes, lets you give input on our future seasons and or a special shout out in the show. Regardless, you can find us on the major social media sites and we would love to hear from you. Tell us what you think. Yep. Hanging with Mr. Cooper. All right. The star of the show is Mark Cooper, a failed NBR and... Okay, in Hanging with Mr. NPR. Cooper. <laughs> um, Mr. Cooper, I'm Mark Cooper. NPR star. I am a former basketball star. <laughs> uh, in Hanging with Mr. Cooper, star of the show, Mark Cooper has a failed NBA career thanks to Sir Charles Barkley. So he moves in with his childhood friend Robin and her sorority sister friend Vanessa. And they live in Oakland, where all three struggle to make ends meet. Robin convinces Mark to use his gifts in teaching and mentorship by becoming a substitute teacher at her school. Mr. Cooper mentors students in various classes, often detention. And in later seasons, Robin moves out. And Mark's cousin, Geneva, a single mom, and her daughter, played by Raven Simone, move in. There's your background. So, Greg, we'll start with the best episode. Do you want to give us the 90-second plot line for the best episode, which is Season 1, Episode 3, On the Rebound? 
Yeah, the third episode of the entire series. Mark and his roommates, Robin and Vanessa, are shocked when Mark's ex-girlfriend, Paula, shows up. Paula had dumped Mark a couple of years ago, but now she's come back to town as the new local news anchorwoman. It seems like she wants to rekindle the flame with Mark, but Robin is especially skeptical. But Paula is persistent, and after roughly 54 seconds of aggressive flirting, she succeeds in winning. (laughs) Anyway, she succeeds in winning Mark back, and soon they are engaged. Mark starts wearing nice suits and cleaning himself up more, but he has certainly changed. But he does seem happy, and Robin reluctantly decides to make nice with Mark's new fiance, Paula. Paula reveals to both Robin and Vanessa what she actually wants. A nice guy who she can mold into whatever she wants. Mm. And she does not want a penniless teacher as her man. No. Yeah. They all realize her true intentions when Mark tells her that he wants to remain teaching for the long haul. And she criticizes professions such as this that don't make very much money. So Mark dumps her. Boom. And he starts being himself again. Yeah. So one second into this show... Mark Curry impresses me. Yeah. Right away, his charisma shows through. And I really appreciated that because here we are on episode 17 total of the TV yearbook, and we have seen some charisma over the many shows we've looked at, but it feels like it's really died away over the past. Yeah, this was a a Tom Selleck-esque charisma. Tom Selleck level of charisma. Yeah. I mean, he's not on par, right? I mean, Tom Selleck, he's the nadir of our scale. (laughs) Nadir. Did I use that correctly? I I think you could have. You keep using that word. I don't think it means what you think it means. (laughs) I reached out deep for that word. Someone was up late with the thesaurus. (laughs) I did not know if that was appropriate use. Uh So he's at the top. Okay. I mean, Mark Curry is, he's right up there. Yeah. I really loved him. Yeah. It's just a different charisma. Maybe there should be separate scales. (laughs) (laughs) well let's explore that i think it's different sides of the charisma pyramid okay all right so wow we're getting deep into another we're getting into another thesis here greg what is your thesis so think about uh the four sides of this pyramid of charisma on one side four sides (laughs) i'm not i'm not a calculus teacher but that sounds like i'm not counting the base there's four sides of the pyramid a thesis needs a base but anyway go on Mom needs a base. <laughs> I think for an extra ten dollars, a garbage man might take that away for you. <laughs> okay, what are what are our four pillars? All right, I mean four sides. Too. Whatever. So four sides. So the one side we have our Mark Curry side. I don't know what to label that, but on the second side we have Tom Selleck. We call that the sexual magnetism. Okay. Charisma. All right. Another side would be our political charisma. So that would be your Ronald Reagans and Barack Obamas. And then okay. can you give a TV example of those? And Rutherford Hayes. Martin Sheen. <laughs> <laughs> Tia Leone. Martin Sheen? I don't know. I'm not familiar with Madam President? Oh, no? yeah, yeah, yeah. Madam yeah. Secretary. Thank you, Madam Secretary. Veep? Julia Louis Oh, Dreyfus. she's awesome in that. Yeah. So we there's have... our there's our third. And then our fourth side is our sports charisma. And mm. that's when you hear see press conferences with Cheryl Swopes, and you're like, this woman is she amazing knows. at the sport, but also just- Charles Barkley. She has it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So right. that is our official- Charisma (laughs) TV yearbook endorsed Charisma pyramid scale We're going to publish this mug (laughs) Copyright So again, I'm missing one So it's sexual, romantic That's Tom Selleck Then Then we have the political 
And then and you have sports the figure. sports, and then you have the fourth unlabeled Mark Curry's. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's not the and sports. I was hoping you would forget. He's not the sports. <laughs> no, he's he's the other quarter. He's he... the other quarter. I thought we would move on. <laughs> he's the corner. You're doing a great job. Keep going. <laughs> So, yeah, I would think I would maybe define charisma a little differently. <laughs> when I think of the charisma, I am thinking of, you know, someone who just makes you want to watch more. And Mark Curry definitely has a lot. And maybe they have their different flavors, the Gina Davis or the Tom Selleck's or the Charles Barkley. Rutherford Hayes. Rutherford B. Hayes. P. Hayes? B. Hayes? Oh, you got it right. Oh, B. Look at that. I'm two for two. Wrong. Now Reaching the- down in the bucket for something. Doing great. Nadir. And um, they have their different flavors, but Mark Curry has that charisma of a stand-up comedian. It's a different quality. Robin Williams. Yes. I like yeah, it. maybe stage charisma. Yeah. Live, sure. live Working, entertainment yeah, charisma. Yeah, right. MC. But it is different. I think there's something about being a stand-up comic because, as we saw with our last episode of Perfect Strangers, mm. as great as those two actors generally are, Fine. they don't have the same charisma, stage charisma, that thing that draws you in. Yeah. Mark Lynn Baker did direct a few of these episodes of Hanging with Not Mr. only Cooper. episodes, seasons. Two, the final two seasons, I yeah. think. Yeah. So Cousin Larry, yeah. knocking it out of the park. How about yeah. that? So the theme song comes along, and En Vogue is in the theme song. Yeah. Famous 90s R&B group who sang such hits like Never Gonna Get It, one of the great 90s songs, no doubt about it. Amazing song. But they kept, as James said in the opener, they kept switching theme songs. Well, I one thing that I thought about the theme song, and this, this will apply to both episodes, even though they were different, was that I didn't really learn a lot. Like, I feel like with all of these shows, they're showing you some kind of story. They're giving you glimpses maybe into the characters and something about them. I mean, for the most part, both of these were just the characters just kind of dancing and just not really doing anything. Mm -hmm. And so while there maybe is an entertainment value in the fact that it's in vogue, I didn't really learn a lot in terms of prepping me for what to expect in the episode. Which is why maybe they had trouble sticking with the theme song. Maybe, because it wasn't doing... It didn't tell a story. Right. Space, the final frontier. You learn about it. Balky and Larry. Balky's coming over from Mepos, and Larry's coming from Wisconsin. That is a full story right there. Boy Meets World. You see him coming out of the womb. Were we watching different shows? I don't... That's not the... I don't remember that. We're going to take that uh, what happens during pregnancy <laughs> video away from you, James. Now, this has not been a rough day for me. I've been slaving over a hot stove, the grocery store was a madhouse, and I've got cramps. <laughs> well, one thing that I thought was very different that stuck out to me was immediately the comedy writing is categorically different. Yeah. It had a much more of a stand-up comic kind of feel. There wasn't the normal setup. Like, it was just joke after joke after joke after joke. Like, it was just constantly funny. And one of the things that struck me is when the girlfriend shows up and they're talking in the kitchen about, you know, hey, last time this girl was there, you know, Mark was crying over my shoulder, and he makes the joke, I was not crying. At the time, I had a jerry curl, and the juice was juicy. <laughs> and if you watch closely, uh, he broke character yeah. just for a split second right. there. And that's in the first, I think, 
five minutes of the Pretty of early. the episode. So yeah. it just really stuck out that this is going to be a different quality of show when it comes to the comedy than what we have seen previously. Yeah. So we fast forward a little bit in the show, and the ex girlfriend is trying to get back into his life, and the ex girlfriend. I mean, she's freaking hot. Paula. Very attractive. Paula. And I so I looked her up. Her name is Layla Rashon, or Rashon, if I'm saying that wrong. And then she comes in unexpectedly. Class is over. She walks in with lunch. And then they immediately just start making out in class. Well, the students aren't in the classroom at the moment. But it's in school. and They're not doing anything in woodshop. <laughs> Yeah, what you, were we not watching this? They they're, were doing. She was trying to make out with him, and they, she succeeded. Yeah, after fifty-four seconds, fifty-six seconds, whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. He's wearing a heavy-duty, a heavy apron. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you put on at the dentist. Uh, Nothing's yeah. getting by. Right. <laughs> Nothing's getting by. <laughs> and it was in wood shop. I just appreciated. Yeah. The the innuendo. Yeah. That's all. Would you have preferred them to be in the pottery room? Ghost style. <laughs> Ghost style. <laughs> During those 50 seconds where she's coming on to Mark, it gets really hot and heavy. In and the she, wood shop. She knows exactly what she's doing. And so she is touching his shoulder, touch, touching his chest, moving in on him. I've already Hang talked in. about this. I know. He's, oh. got, he's got another drink. Oh, you got another point. No. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to say hot and heavy. <laughs> and where's his sex? Can I say please? So when it comes to this girlfriend who Robin just says, uh, she's she can't be trusted and whatnot, I don't know. The truth comes out that she wants to mold Mark into a successful like businessman or a successful salesman or something like that. Right. Like just more than a teacher, making more money than a teacher, more professional, making more money than a teacher. She don't want no summers off. She does not. <laughs> no. <laughs> is this is this a real thing that women molding men? Yes. Yes. And I don't mean I don't mean in the, I know this is a sitcom, but in the sitcom sense where ah uh, he keeps leaving the toilet seat up, looks like right, I have to mold right. him in this very minor yeah. relative way. Uh, I gotta I gotta train him. I'm not talking training to do like one or two random things that are relatively minor. This is a molding who you are, like fundamentally almost. I don't know how much that happens. I think to be fair, it goes both ways. I th I think the stereotype is more we see women training their man, but it's happening. In real life, I, th I do think both, both ways. Both ways. I don't think the personality thing as much as this is like a career. Like, I want you to be more successful. You know, you're doing something now which is cool right now, but I believe in the future you have the potential to do this or that or go back to school and whatever. And I think that happens a ton. Yeah. People marry each other for what they think the person is yeah. trending towards. I, I really think in this episode, her motivation, while it is casted in a negative light, I think it'd be very easy to turn it around and actually make it a positive. It's, sure. Is it a bad thing that I want my spouse to do something greater with their life? That's not necessarily so cut and dry like, oh, that's a bad thing to feel. Yeah. Right? And Vanessa comes in. And is playing along to kind of to draw Paula out. Great idea, because you know Mark is pretty much on a dead-end career track. <laughs> I mean, substitute teaching, that's just one notch above being a secretary, right? <laughs> right! I'm a secretary! <laughs> <laughs> and she... I felt there were several moments in the episode where if it was not TGIF and if it was 2021, there would have been... 
very specific curse words that I, <laughs> I imagine would have been uttered, but such as um, <laughs> the B word, bozo. Beat it, bozo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she kind of. Am I using honeypot right if I say she honeypotted Paula into? Like, oh, it's okay. Open us. Tell us that what you want to do to Mark, and then boom. Does honeypot mean nadir? You keep using the horn. I think. Are they? Synonyms? I think they're. Uh, they're not antonyms. <laughs> I'm sure of that. Yeah. Uh, honeypot, though. I haven't heard of the phrase honeypot, though. Honeypot. That's when you're drawing somebody out. You're being really, really. You're being. Sweet, it's usually used in a seductive, sexual, yeah. like I'll, you know, come in. We're gonna have a romance, and then boom, you either honeypot. You're honeypotting them. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, to find the boom. Sorry, I interrupted you by just uh, shouting. And then some button. other uh, uh, Machiavellian or yeah. some other purpose it's unfolds. Boom, look in the honeypot. Look, yeah, you're stuck. <laughs> yeah. The, you you got in here chasing honey. Yeah. Now you're stuck and you're, you're going to deal with my. You're doing a great job. Keep going. <laughs> in another scene, Mark is teaching in the wood shop. Everyone's building the same thing, which is gluing two, <laughs> two boards, boards together. It's a cutting board. <laughs> it's a doorstop. So good. That was pretty funny. That was great. But I thought since, you know, all of us have taught, how do you motivate a student who's not motivated? What do you what do you do for that? I'm going to go back to what makes Mark Curry great. In this case, his name in the episode is Mark. Uh, what's his last name in the show? Cooper. Uh, hanging with Mr. Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to cut that, but I know no. we won't. <laughs> You're doing a great job. Keep going. You've been honeypotted. <laughs> Does that apply? Wrong. I don't think anyway, so. Anyway, <laughs> let's talk about Mr. Cooper for a second. Okay. Who is the star of this show? The Nadir of the show. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so your question, what was your question? <laughs> oh, yeah, how do you motivate a student? Is it possible to motivate someone yeah. who's not motivated? So obviously if there's a 14-year-old who does not want to do it, no matter what, you're not going to get this person to do the work because ultimately they have enough agency as a 14-year-old. But here I'm going to go back to what I said earlier about Mark Curry slash Mark Cooper. Gosh, he is just a great teacher because what he does is he builds relationships with the students that makes the students care about him. And therefore, by not doing any sort of work, you're actually disappointing Mr. Cooper. I'm disappointed with you. I'll get to Dom's question about motivating the unmotivated. I think the answer is yes and no. Uh, Clear. I, <laughs> way to really, no, let me, way to really stand up. I now. would go with both. <laughs> I think for an extra ten dollars, a garbage man might take that away for you. I have, I have a short answer to this. I think the trick is emotion. You have to generate a moderate level of emotional intensity. It doesn't have mm. to be. It can be a good relationship. It can be brokenness. Can be hatred. Way. It can be disgust. Spite. Right? The all of the emotion generates. I don't think it means what you think it means. <laughs> yes, Spike. <laughs> I was highly motivated freshman English in college to, because I got horrible feedback from a professor who I really didn't like. And it did absolutely motivate me to be better, to try harder. And I definitely have what Greg said, which is a good relationship with someone like my Brit Lit professor who was caring and warm and grandfatherly. And I wanted to impress him in part, right? So it's kind of like not about the subject so much, but it became about the subject so i agree with you that mark cooper has that relational focus i love the line from the scene though one of the students comes back and says i realize i can't do woodshop i'm terrible at this but i'm good at math and he says aha 
which you learned that in my class. I thought that was a great, a great line. It's like, my career has meaning. <laughs> it sounds like you enjoyed this episode, Dom. So why do you think it's this best episode, da- James? Dom? Anybody? Anybody okay. in the in the room Whoever. at all? Anybody? I'll go first. So, no. We've been talking a lot about the human condition here in this episode. Surprisingly so. Very And uh, So, yeah, I think to change course and why this is the best episode is I've already mentioned that I think the the writing of the show is better. Strong. Um, but I think there's also kind of a mystery here is what is the lesson in this show? Be yourself. Don't let anybody honeypot you. <laughs> Be the nadir. <laughs> is the lesson about how do you stop a friend from making a terrible decision with their life? Yeah. Right? Is that the lesson? Or is the lesson about relationship values? Why can't it be both? I think it's all uh, the it could, above. It could be yeah. both. Extract what you want to extract out of this because there's but a I, lot. Well, I would I would also say that I don't know. I'm still torn on whether Paula's motivations are black and white evil. Like, I think it was painted negatively, but I could also see, well, if maybe we had a conversation about this for 15 minutes with Paula, we might come to the conclusion like, oh, she just really cares about Mark and just wants him to be better, whereas this is a sitcom, we only got three minutes to get this point across, Mm -hmm. let's make it, you know, not not so nice. So I'm still torn upon that, but earlier in the episode... They really made a stink about, hey, you guys had a bad relationship. You broke up. You were crying because of the jerry curl juice. Maybe. And you got back together and you're engaged and this is a bad thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Mark Cooper says, well, hey, we actually were together for two years before this. So it's actually not a, you know, terrible thing. And, you know, I took a little issue with that of like, you know what? Breaking up and then getting back together and getting engaged. It's not a bad thing. Some people do that. Yeah. It's uh, been known to happen. It's been very known to happen. And you know, there are some relationships uh, in this room that went through that exact same thing. And on top of that, when when that guy went to the parents to ask for permission, they said no. Oh, boy. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Every couple finds their different ways. So I don't know. I'm I was really torn as to what the lesson was really was and i think that's maybe why it's considered the best yeah uh, i think it's the best episode because mark curry shined in it yeah he shone i think he shown is still <laughs> shown has shown in shined um i was wondering if mark curry is still performing don't know if he's still doing stand-up <laughs> hopefully he went to counseling and got right mm-hmm. that's what i'm yeah. looking at well, it's Let's been 15 hope. years since that car accident okay I think it was a, a thought. I think it was some other accident. No, like a, I like read a, a Wikipedia. No, it was a home thing. Yeah, that was a aerosol can that fell behind the water heater. Something heated up, really exploded, strange. Yeah, and burned a, like a good portion of his body. Poor like guy. terrible. We hope you're okay. Terrible he does. Stuff. He's regularly performing stand up at the Hollywood Improv. I would love good. to go see him. Yeah. Yeah. Mark Curry. It's great. What's the deal with basketball? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that's not his style. That might not be him. I think that it tackles classism, right? This idea that being a secretary or a teacher is not good enough was tackled. It was combated. Mm-hmm. It was swatted away like Charles Barkley would swat away a block shot. We see successful honeypotting, multiple layers. I need to look up what honeypotting is. You keep going, but I'm going to come back with the definition of honeypot after I turn my safe search on. Paul. Yeah, you're on my Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> we have Paula coming back to honeypot uh, Mark. Then we have... Mark's friends honeypotting 
Paula. You know, the sweet, I'm, we're on your side, and then boom, no, we're not. We're tra- we trapped you. So it's just layered, 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 layered. Okay, well, I don't want to read the Urban Dictionary definition. That's a different, don't read That's that one. Never one. read that one first. Clean as a virgin's honeypot. Honeypotting is deliberately using sex appeal to persuade someone into carrying out a personal or professional agenda. Pretty that good. is spot on. Yeah. That was from nerdfighter.info. <laughs> Thank you. This episode brought to you by Nerdfighter. <laughs> dot biz. I don't think info. I think. I think. <laughs> I think we should maybe stop talking <laughs> immediately. I know. And before though we take a look at the worst episode, Greg, it sounds like you are enjoying a new craft soda. Why don't you tell us about it? Actually, I thought I might let Dom introduce this particular one. Oh, we're doing something different here. We are doing something different. So I'll let Dom introduce the beverage here in a second, but because this is our third and final episode that we have recorded together in my basement, Dom has done something very special, this very special episode. Very, very special. To commemorate this, we have a commemorative bottle of dry botanical bubbly vanilla flavor. Naturally flavored. Perfectly clear. Sparkling beverage with other natural flavors. Contains no juice. Only Uh-oh. four ingredients. So shall we take a drink, gentlemen? Yeah. Actually, cheers. Cheers. There we go. Okay. <laughs> shall we? First sips. Here All we thumbs go. up. Oh. Okay. 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 That's okay. what it tastes like. Well, we will all give a review at yes. the end of the episode. So before we get to that, we are going to look at the worst episode. So Greg... The 90-second plot line for the worst episode, which is season two, episode 20, Double Cheeseburger, Hold the Diploma. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> give it up, give it up. One more time. So Mark is supervising detention with a dozen troublesome students. He tells them that they all need to get jobs, and he helps them with applications and interviews and such. Meanwhile, in the B story, Raven Simone has joined the cast as Mark's niece, and she wants a new bike, so she gets a new bike. Back to the A story. Mark is shocked when Irvin, one of the students, quits school completely to get a job at Clown Burger. Mark is then scared because Irvin's mom is furious that he quit school and is coming after Mark because she believes that it's Mark's fault. So Mark goes to the burger joint, tries to talk Irvin into quitting, and ultimately settles on a strategy of being an annoying customer. Keeps switching the order and stuff like that. This causes Irvin to snap, and he proceeds to go around the dining room, all the while criticizing all of the annoying clown burger customers right in their faces. And he gets fired. The episode ends with Mark telling Irvin and Irvin's mom that Mark is going to help that Mark is going to work to help Irvin get a new part-time job so he can stay in school but work simultaneously, but also help him get a scholarship to college, mainly because Irvin's mom scares him so much. That's our episode. Mm. Yeah, so we get a different opening, a different montage, which, again, was not helpful. Yeah, I wonder if En Vogue didn't agree to come back for season two, or they just decided to go a different direction completely. Yeah, they went with a different but person. But the odd thing is, I remember both songs. Like, when we started talking about doing Hang With Mr. Cooper as a show, I started thinking of the theme song in my head, because I do that from time to time. 
Do you all know that I like theme songs? That's the first I've ever heard. Okay, well, you don't say. If you, if you, you don't do, say. You don't say. No you, me digas. You are the nadir of theme song appreciation. <laughs> I don't think it means what you think it means. Yes. Anyway, I remember both of these theme songs, and I juxtaposed them in my head, and I, I just brought them together in my head. I thought it was the same song. Oh. Before we actually listen to each individual theme song, yeah, so. I don't remember. I don't remember the music of the theme song, but I remember the montage of the first season mm-hmm. because, as a let's see, ninety-two. So as a teenager watching this show, that opening montage gave me some of the feels. Yeah, yeah. I like to watch Oprah naked. <laughs> that way, I get the bare facts. <laughs> So part of this story, Greg, as you already said, is he gets the kids to who are in detention. Detention. Yeah. These are the the troublemakers of the school. The principal walks in and is impressed that they're all working on something. He gets them to do job applications. He gets this kid a job, and the kid decides to drop out of school to work full time. The principal shows up at his house, which already is alarming. And this story just seemed strange because why is his job on the line because this kid drops out of school and takes a job? I just felt the story itself was a little weak, that it maybe could have been better or a different direction if the blame was put on the mom. Mm. Well, I guess you could go that direction. Because then the mom is like, Hey, Mr. Cooper, now it's your responsibility to get my kid back in school. And it's yeah. just kind of no. The it's mom not. It seems like the mom and the principal are in cahoots and their narrative is that it's Mr. Cooper's fault. Yeah. That yeah. they're you know, they're teaching these kids these progressive ideals and well, about, you know, how to get a job and <laughs> I mean I mean I get that the show is about Mark Curry and it needs to be about him, but I just felt the story was just kind of lazily put together, and it would have rang a little more true if the blame was put where it rightfully you should mean have you been. didn't like the detail that the principal ran into the mom at a shooting range, the mom who had her hair perfect and a business suit on just so <laughs> happened to and the principal goes to the shooting range where they just happened to find each other. Yeah, you didn't I, think that was I true to life i well, I don't mind that because whatever. I, I, yeah, <laughs> that, I was, that was fun. Yeah, that, that was, was a fun side detail, just kind of thrown in there to scare Mark Curry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just yeah. like I like imagining Nell Carter at a range with a deer rifle, who's four foot eleven. <laughs> is she really? Yeah. <laughs> Who I really like, by the way. Nell she Carter was, was great. Nell Carter's was great. Good. Yeah, but yeah, I know. I just thought it's a it's a lazily put together plot line. It Either was. way. It was put together, and we get to find out a lot about how Mark deals with adversity, being threatened, not with just being fired, but also with violence. Violence, which is an answer to an earlier question, what will motivate Mark to reach out and uh, do some work here? It's the threat of violence, apparently. And so he gets a spine uh, with that threat in mind and shows up at the, remember the name of the restaurant? Clown Burger. Clown Burger. They clearly had, I don't know, this this set as part of the sound studio somewhere. The soundstage just had this extra remnant from a previous episode of something. It really makes me wonder, why has no one made a clown burger? You, you're not sure why? Are you still scared of clowns? 
Yeah. No, I'm not. I think of TV and I think of movies, and that's the stereotypical, hey, we need someone to work at a fast food restaurant. Let's make it Clown Burger. It always involves clowns. And I always think in the back of my mind, I'd like to try their burgers. No, only a dollar seventy nine. They were cheap, and they're next. They're next to an animal hospital. Was that what it is? I think so. We see the animals go in, but they never come out. (laughs) Would you eat at a clown burger today, Dom? Well, I was probably not uh, into it just with the setting. I mean, it was busy. The one thing that I think would definitely be a question is every time you order, you get a kazoo blow. And then you have confetti thrown at you, paper confetti, yeah. which to me, no, I don't want that in my food on my hot dog. That's not a proper topping. What if it was edible? Instead of confetti, it was sprinkles. I don't like sprinkles. What? I don't like sprinkles. Like on ice cream? On anything. Donuts. Don't like sprinkles. Wow. What about just I gave you one sprinkle? A sprink. I would eat it <laughs> if I had to. What about uh, like- Hidden uh, in your beard. Would you There's wear a lot of things in there? <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind wearing sprinkles. I just don't want to eat them. What about um, what's the other stuff? The even thinner stuff that's like kind of shiny. What's that called? Glitter ribbons. Yeah, but what about the smallest of small shiny sprinkles? They're like flaky almost, but incredibly tiny. Asbestos. <laughs> <laughs> Nadir. <laughs> Hold. <laughs> nope. I don't know. Nope. I don't know what that is. Is it the the, the crusties at the bottom of a honey pot? <laughs> He's talking about a smaller, thinner version of a sprinkle. Oops, my cornbread is almost burning. <laughs> what you guys gonna do? Makeup? You look parched. So. <laughs> All right. Okay, we got a can. So I'm back, and I have Halloween sprinkles divided into six different. Uh, sides. So, Dom, would you agree these are sprinkles right here? Yes. These are the small cylinder ones, about a half a centimeter long. Log. The log-like ones, yeah. 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 Dr. Mario pills. All right, what about the little ball bearings? I hate those. Those are still sprinkles. Those are worse. I hate those. Fantastic. All right, what about... What about this orange? That's what I'm talking about. That is sugar with food color. Where were these sprinkles? Because you are out of breath. Uh, it's been a long pandemic (laughs) i haven't worked out in years are these okay dom these are what i was talking about like the shiny i will eat sugar flaky those are that's sugar yeah just granules of colored sugar that's That's all that that is. is that's sugar they're all sprinkles so the granules of colored sugar are fine fine when you get to when you shape them into a ball it becomes unacceptable there's something else in there Any besides sugar. Non-cubic sprinkle. Get it out of here. That's what you're saying. I don't know what the ingredient is, Never but there's beyond. something else in there. What do you think uh, about these little little uh, ones shaped I like ghosts that those. are skinny and shaped like a That's ghost? That's fondant. I well, it's like dried fondant. It's disgusting. Wow. I think we've learned a lot. We've learned a lot about sprinkles. We have. <laughs> But why? <laughs> but why? You're doing a great job. Keep going. Which brings me to my next question. What is your... This is a fast food establishment, Yeah. right? Yeah. I would like to know your fast food guilty pleasure, mm-hmm. past or present, mm-hmm. that most embarrasses you. I have none. Okay. I am proud of all of my choices. You're proud. Yeah. Then. It really is the only aspect of my life that's not full of regret. What are you most... 
prideful oh. about. Well, I'll tell you, we do not have a Jack in a Box oh. in Minnesota. Ooh. And mm-hmm. the oh. two tacos for 99 cents good deal. is the greatest fast food item in the history of mankind. Yeah. This episode also brought to you by Jack in the Box tacos. They don't know it yet. Yeah, we'll tell them later. And this goes all the way back to the, the Roman Empire when they had their open air food carts. That's a that's a thing that's just discovered. Oh, that okay. they actually had food carts in ancient Rome. Is this true? Where are you reading this? James has been correct about historical things before, and I think this would be a great time to just go ahead and bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> just to bring it up, we got to clear the air oh, because yeah, a couple of episodes, business. couple of episodes ago, we got to give credit to where credit was due. Both Dom and I yep. were super skeptical about early pirate democracy. <laughs> We looked into it, <laughs> and sure enough, there was some uh, rudimentary democracies <laughs> at play I mean, on the high seas, yeah, sure, on pirate ships. Yeah, I don't. So, yes, we want to give sorry. some credit. Credit, yes, yeah, thank is you, due. Thank absolutely. You. Apologies and all that crap. So, with that, I will build upon that. In ancient Rome, they had food carts. I don't have a problem with that. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So I'm just saying the breadth of mankind, back to my point, the two tacos for 99 cents a Jack in a Box is amazing. Very good. Freaking what a, love it. How about you, Greg? Oh, I would say it was, I was down and out one day. I was really down and out because uh, a baseball team that I favor mm. uh, lost a playoff game. Mm. So I went to a certain uh, chicken establishment mm. and I purchased a double down. That's oh, where double down. Is this a secret menu item? No, it was oh. not. It was it was established that secret. Uh, <laughs> it didn't have a bun, so it was a low carb option. Mm. It oh. was it was <laughs> it was two chicken patties with bacon on the middle, and the chicken patties <laughs> are the were bun. the bun. Oh, okay. Wow. Mm. Ooh. Regrets. Regrets. Oh, wow. Really? Well, I mean, it, it sounds delicious. Good. Oh, it was delicious mm. uh-huh. at the time that I was consuming said food. Mm-hmm. And then... It came out? Yeah, you... <laughs> <laughs> what goes up? Wait, <laughs> that doesn't make sense. Sir Isaac Newton. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Inertia? <laughs> Mine is Taco Bell. I've been warned about Taco Bell. I've known about Taco Bell, but recently my daughter coming home from basketball practice... Yeah was so hungry, and it was late, and we really didn't do a full dinner, so I I gave in. Mm -hmm. We got tacos supreme, just the regular supreme beef taco, and I had one. (laughs) And nine minutes later... You didn't have one. I I should have just went straight to the toilet with it. (laughs) I I should not have ingested it. What percent of nutrients do you think your body absorbed during that time? How long was it again? Nine minutes. Nine minutes? I am not exaggerating. I would say that was something other than the Taco Bell. It's just too coincidental. Man, I love ordering the party pack at Taco Bell. (laughs) Just for you? Uh, I mean, (laughs) I will get it for the It's for all of us. (laughs) Sir, your car is empty. That's not... There's more... There are more people other places. She goes to another high school. (laughs) (laughs) It's good. It's a great deal. If you Uh, like soft tacos, party pack at Taco Bell is a mm. a great deal. The clown food place was not a place that I desired at all because it was just goofy and who needs confetti everywhere, whether they're candy confettis or otherwise. But this was... This was not the best episode. In fact, this was considered by far on IMDb as the worst episode. Why? Why? Well, I would say the writing was lazier, as I have talked about before, just with the plot line. And there were a lot of more kind of 
the perfect stranger one, two, three kind of jokes mm-hmm. um, in this episode. I will say this was the only episode in its five seasons that Mark Curry actually wrote the story for. Oh, really? He didn't write the teleplay. Yeah. That was someone else. But just came up Cooper, with the concept. Cooper James. But Mark Curry came up with this story. Hmm. Um, which disappointed, I, I felt disappointed uh, upon learning that because in this, he was really a jerk. No, he wasn't. One of the side stories that we didn't talk about at all was that the little girl wanted a new bike and mom couldn't afford it. And they're just putting all of this like pressure and kind of making jokes that the mom is poor and can't buy a bike. So the mom goes to a thrift store, buys a bicycle that is beaten up, but functional and the mom is gonna paint it up she's gonna get sandpaper and she's gonna get new paint and she's gonna make it look all nice and the entire time they're just making fun of her for being poor but trying to provide for her daughter yeah it's just that that all of those scenes were really tough to watch of why are they making him seem like a jerk and i would also say at the end when mark curry is trying to get irvin fired so that he doesn't have the job anymore and comes back to school. That's not what he was trying to do. He wasn't trying to get him fired. He's trying to make him quit. Yeah. But yeah. Okay, fine. Fired, fired, quit, but yeah. he got fired in the end, so I don't really care, you know, the, that the end result was he got him fired because thinking about it, I'm kind of on team Irvin. Sure. Like dropping out of school? Not in the dropping out Just of get school. The GED. But I think that if the mom was a little bit more involved, uh, as maybe should have been, that you could have talked this kid into, look, you dropped out of school because now you're making all this money, and that's really nice, but you can also do part-time, and you can also go to college. Because when Irvin is at this job, he is not the screw-up that he was at school. He's following rules. True. He's working really hard. He's thinking about being promoted. He is a great worker. He's a great kid. He has, you know, he's obviously smart and can do really well, and that's why Mark cooper wants him to go to college but yeah he made a dumb decision to drop out of school but he is a teenager that's why you have parents and that's why you have caring teachers and all the people around you in your community to help you out it is it is interesting that he decided to drop out based on mark's that's not what mark said to do just to be clear and at the end of the episode (laughs) in the ending credits did anyone notice that he tried to get the phone number for the teenage oh, cashier? Yeah, that's right. She wasn't a teenager. She was could have been a teenager. Yeah. She yeah. was between 20 and 30. I know you're making know that about up. That. But anyway, this entire yeah, episode, know. there's just these little things. It's just it didn't make him good. I think for an extra ten dollars, a garbage man might take that away for you. I do, I guess I do agree with you in part. That decision, the kids' decision, Irvin's decision to to drop out, maybe that could be respected. I had a different attitude about the mom. I thought she was overly involved, you know, showing up at a teacher's house and following him and and making these threats. Like, there's a kind of involvement that is maybe misapplied. Like, why didn't she prevent this from happening, or why couldn't she uh, motivate him to just do the part time work? But then, then again, this is an NBA. You know, very talented athlete who maybe is being looked up to. I find it weird, though, that Mark Mark gets blamed for him dropping out of school, which yep. wasn't his message. True story. So, James, I I see what you're saying. At first, when you said he's a, he's being a jerk, I was like, no, he's not. 
You outlined it very well. So nicely said. I've got so many wins this you episode. Are killing it. Nadir. Wrong. B. Honey. Uh, Rutherford. B. Hayes. Oh, Rutherford B. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Pirate democracy. Yep. I mean, things are looking I'm just up. bringing it up because I know it's all going to come crashing down. <laughs> <anymore>. <laughs> Don't get cocky. We are lifting you up <laughs> high on a pedestal. <laughs> and then we'll just wait. <laughs> no, but uh, Irvin's mom, I loved her. Not her attitude, but just her, the actress. Her character. Yeah, yeah the yeah, actress it's a good character. W- was great. She was uh, one of Will Smith's aunts in The Fresh Prince. Mm. She was the voice oh. of Flo in Cars. Oh, really? And okay. she is... She's good, good. Yeah, mm-hmm. really, really yeah. solid, so I liked her. But whenever you make fun of fast food work, it always bothers me. Because what Omar Gooding, who was playing Irvin, Omar Gooding, who hosted Wild and Crazy Kids, if you remember that show on Nickelodeon. Oh, yeah. Wild I do remember that. Kids. Yeah. yeah. It sounds familiar. Do you yeah. know anything else about this actor? Well, he is related to another Gooding. Yeah, two of them. I don't know the other gooding besides Cuba. Cuba. <laughs> it's not there's, correct. Yeah, there's two Cubas. Uh, his father Senior was, and junior? Yeah, I mean, obviously. Are those his, the two brother, that you were talking about? Yeah, oh. the senior. So when I said Cuba, you're like, well. <laughs> you yes, got it. I did. <laughs> anyway, so Omar Gooding is playing uh, this character, and what he says is, I'll be a manager in two years. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean you're establishing a 30-year career right. at Clown Burger. What it means is you work your butt off for a year or two, you get promoted, make some more money, and not that much money. I'm not saying the fast food workers are making a lot of money because they aren't. Mm -hmm. But if you work as a system manager there for like a year or two, then by that point, assuming that you're not like in spending money like insanely, like you have a roommate during those two early times and you're not finding the best apartment to live in. But what that does is serve as a springboard when it comes to letter of recommendations, when it comes to work history, those little things serve as a springboard. So I totally see what Irvin yeah. was saying. <clears throat> They're Everybody's got to start somewhere. Right. And I think there's also another potential argument to be had for this episode that for some students, for some kids who don't value getting an education who, like Irvin, don't have parents that will keep them from dropping out of school, that dropping out and getting a minimum wage job and realizing like, oh, if I really want to get out of this, I need more school could be some of the best thing for them. Definitely. So, I don't know. If 10 years of free schooling before you're the age 16 hasn't convinced you, maybe some real world right. action will convince maybe, you of that. Maybe, yeah. Will, and getting yeah. a GED or going to community college, like, I don't know. The, I, the disgust emotion generated by having the animal hospital meat come into your restaurant <laughs> and then serve to patrons will motivate you to engage differently with your future educational pursuit. Yep. Well, so we have talked about what has made these the best and worst episodes, so we can talk about the series as a whole. And we've already talked about Mark Curry being near Tom Selleck-esque in its charisma, and I think him being a stand-up comedian really lent itself to a different style of writing that I think is more common in sitcoms today. So I'm not quite sure if I'm willing to say that he was kind of the precursor in comedic writing for sitcoms at the time. Maybe compared to the shows that we have watched so far for TGIF, the writing of this show was very different from anything that we've watched. And so I just wonder is getting a TV show as a stand up comedian, is this the goal? It's a goal. Kind of what 
Steady TV, paycheck. TV producers should be going for. I think the life of a stand-up comedian when it comes to raising a family is pretty, pretty tough because you you're have to go on late. 100 city to... Well, yeah, but you're not just hanging out in Peoria all the time where you live, just doing show after show after show right. after show. You have to go all around the country. I think if you can settle down and if you get like four solid years of writing and you get a four-season show, that is amazing if you're a stand-up Should comedian. we try another game of hot potato <laughs> maybe on, explain the rules this time on naming television shows starring stand-up comedians oh boy would that be fun seinfeld so we just well dom wanted me to explain the rules seinfeld <laughs> <laughs> we just go around in a circle and we just name a show and then if you can't and it's been like hey you need to come it's on it's got to be a sitcom right you need to do it um we should not call it hot potato we should just say what it is Hot seat? Hot no, seat. Nothing. Hot nothing. pants. Just no, don't it, say it, it any. It needs a name. Hot dog. Hot clown. <laughs> Hot clown game. So uh, We'll keep workshopping that. Okay, okay. who's going to start? Seinfeld. <laughs> Are we going clockwise what? or counterclockwise? <laughs> Hang it with Mr. Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Ellen. The Ellen Show. Ooh, I was going to say that one. Uh, oh, the okay. Drew Carey Show. Ooh, Ooh Mulaney. was a short-lived show. It was. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Chris Rock has a show. Okay. Uh, the Bernie Mac show. Oh, that? that was funny. Everybody loves Raymond. Oh, oh my good goodness. One. Yours was Everybody Loves Chris, I assume. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. Everybody uh, hates Chris. Excuse everybody, me. Yeah. So would 30 Rock count? They're not stand up. No. I guess not. Tina Fey's more of a writer. No. I lose again. Okay. Home Improvement. Oh, good one. Grace Under Fire. Grace Under Fire. That's a soap opera. Rhett isn't Butler. It? Oh, okay. Mad About You. Paul Reiser. Yeah. Yep. Um. Uh, Louis. Oh yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> the Gary Shandling Show. Ooh, very good one. Baskets. You're out. You're out. It's, I'm in the consolation bracket. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working my way back in. I got to think of three before on, Greg, Greg thinks uh, of the one. Jeff Foxworthy Show. Oh, I never the watched that. The Bill Ingvall Show. The Larry the Cable Guy Show. <laughs> <laughs> Was that his show? Sure. sure. <laughs> yeah. Of course. Uh, it could have been. Curb your enthusiasm. Is he a stand-up though? Larry David was he? Did he do stand-up? Oh yeah, he did. Okay, uh, the Marriage Ref, also Seinfeld. Seinfeld was in is the that, Marriage Ref. Seinfeld produced that show. That's not a sitcom, is it? That's more did of you a. You say you just said shows. Shows that star that were. If he's a star, producer, yes, he's a producer and stars in the show. It's like a it's like a live game right. show type thing. The Carol Burnett Show, Brooklyn Nine Nine. Oh yeah, oh, I don't think that one counts. Andy no, Samberg counts. produces it. Just, he's a comedian. Andy's, but he's not a stand-up. He's done stand-up. He probably has. Oh, jeez. Now we're really bending. We should have really... I asked for the rules. Down the rules here. I asked for the rules. Hill Street Blues. No. <laughs> Sanford and Son. Well, I have no idea. Any... Red Fox. The Dick Van Dyke Show. Ooh. Oh. No, he's not a stand-up comedian. Definitely not a stand-up oh, comedian. Oh, fine. Uh, no, you lost. Lu- yep. I Love Lucy. You, you lost. I Love Lucy. That's a better one. Well, she She's didn't do stand-up either. Did she? Did she stand-up? Joan Rivers, gossip, gossip, gossip. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right, we can move on. Moving right, on. It's clear I won. Wrong. I thought Omar Gooding as a recurring character. I loved him. He had a great presence. Mm-hmm. And Cooper is funny in both episodes. You're right. The, the bad episode, the writing was lazier than the best episode. But again, I still found it watchable, yes. entertaining. I would watch it again. I would watch it with my kids. It's a family-friendly show. 
So I loved it. Yeah, I think it was Omar Gooding. Like the cast all around, it's a very good cast. Yeah, quite strong. Overall, I also thought it was a strong show. We were just sitting on the couch watching this, and unlike Perfect Strangers, I, one, stayed awake. (laughs) Yeah. Two, I laughed. Yeah. And so compared to our prior episode, this was a real winner, and I actually was enjoying watching it. Yeah. And I appreciated Mark Curry. James, you said it was an all-star cast. This was a good show. I don't think it was a great show. But I think it was a good show. Good a show. solid show. A solid show. Would you say this has been, if we take both best and worst, this has been the best of what we've watched in TJF so far? Hmm. I would say yes. It's better than Perfect Strangers. Yes. It's better than Dinosaurs. And than I liked Family it better Matters. than Family Matters. Boy Meets World graduation was a good episode. Boy Meets World has some strong Mr. Feeney action going on. With another teacher. Yeah. I would put Dinosaurs 1, this 2. <laughs> Boy Meets World 3. Final answer. Just indefensible. Anyway. Dinosaurs. Jeez. Uh, but to be very, very clear, going back to uh, something we've talked about in prior episodes, it's almost like we have two different worlds. I'm going to leave dinosaurs out of the out of the conversation just for a quick moment because it's a little quirkier. It's a different show. It is. Pop. But what we have is Family Matters and Perfect Strangers started in the 80s. Mm-hmm. We have Boy Meets World and Hanging with Mr. Cooper started in the 90s. If you want to divide those into two different categories, you really can. They're all on the TGIF mantle. But my gosh, the level of quality and just how well they aged is so much better for Boy Meets World and Hanging with Mr. Cooper than Family Matters and Perfect Strangers, in one person's opinion. All right. Let's talk about our awards, huh? For those of you who are new to the TV Yearbook Podcast, we give out awards at the end of each episode, and our flagship superlative award is the Extra Mile. It's a hard job acting in Hollywood. Many pay their dues by being an extra, and when you're an extra and you're on screen for five seconds, you need to make your mark. So this award goes to the actor who went above or beyond, or went the extra mile, if you will, to stand out in some way. So who has an extra mile for this show? Well, I feel like this is the second episode in a row. I'm kind of bending the rules of the extra mile criteria Mm -hmm. Uh, so feel free to throw the flag on the field but Greg you mentioned (laughs) how in the opening of the best episode you immediately were struck by the charisma of Mark Curry and I was also immediately struck by something but not Mark Curry a gentleman in the audience so Mark Curry is coming out he's warming up the audience Mm -hmm. everyone's laughing everyone's clapping but this one guy in the front row in the purple shirt sitting there like he's waiting his turn at the DMV. <laughs> oh. <laughs> just front and center. He's looking off to the side just like, what am I doing here? Is it time to go get snacks? Is this over yet? <laughs> that was re- He was really the only person that just stuck out to me, which is why I'm giving him the Extra Mile Award. Okay. I have an Extra Mile Award, too, and it's an actual actor. It is the moment in our worst episode when Irvin is going around the restaurant criticizing people. Uh-huh. And oh, yeah. he goes to a table, and there's a woman there. And so he approaches this woman and says to her, And ma'am, when you order to me and you want to be that close to me, use a breath mint. <laughs> and this lady... That was nasty. This lady does not have a word in the entire episode. No. This is her only moment. Y'all remember what she did? No. You can have a couple of reactions, but the director told her, you're not allowed to say a word, just 
act in some way. Uh-huh. And at that point, you can act angry, you can act shocked, surprised. But the way that she acted, she just opened her mouth with shock, with a little bit of a smile. She was like, <laughs> yeah. And that might have been her only role that she's ever had. Let me ask in you this: life. So if you get that, if you get that scene as the extra, how do you play that? I slap him. You slap him. Well, my guy or a girl? Doesn't matter. All right. <laughs> well, if you slap him, that's not going to make the cut. It might. If it might. You never know. You never know. I think I open the mouth wide, then I realize my mouth is open, and then I double hand the mouth. Oh. Yeah. How do you like that? I think I feel like I would have done the. <laughs> oh, you know, check, that's a good idea. Check, check it out. I would take out a piece of gum and put it immediately. What about breaking down into tears? Fetal position. Fetal position is the winner. <laughs> in the booth. <laughs> in the booth. Yeah. yeah. So that's my extra mile award Very to good. that lady. I like Because <laughs> it was really fun. Well, I have a different award, not extra mile award. And one of the things we didn't really talk, we mentioned at some point about the clothes. Yeah. But the clothes really were much more dramatic than I remember. Yeah. Much more colorful. A lot of colors. Much more abstract. A lot of purple. Um, also quite baggy. As an overly baggy for being in woodshop, <laughs> but continue. And so I want to give this award to the wardrobe coordinator for most likely to steal from Sinbad. Now y'all know that my wife is a triceratops, right? <laughs> Yeah, I weighed downstairs while she tries on several tops. Oh, yeah, that was. <laughs> that there was, was a Sinbad vibe. Ma- immediately what I thought. <laughs> Walking around. <laughs> getting really. There was a moment where Mr. Cooper makes fun of one of the kids who was dressed like crisscross with clothes oh, right. all on backwards. <laughs> that was hilarious. That was great seeing that. So I have a superlative award as well. It is the most disturbing off-screen action because in the first episode, in the best episode, Mark is a bit of a slob and he's leaving clothes everywhere. And why are his clothes being left everywhere in the house? Yeah, I like to watch Oprah naked. (laughs) That way I get the bare facts. (laughs) Watching Oprah naked. Yeah. Mark Cooper. That was, that's a hard one. And I I tried so much to come up with a good joke about hanging with Mr. Cooper. Oh, no. (laughs) But I'm choosing to take the high road. Good. Um, I have an award in this worst episode. There was a little neighbor kid who I think was a recurring character. Mm -hmm. I think his name was Tyler. Yep. And he is annoying and he keeps picking on the Raven character. (laughs) So I would like to give him the award of most likely to grow up. And sell used cars out of a mobile home. That's so Tyler. That's so Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> because he was just really trying to get what he wanted. He wanted Raven to ask her dad for a bike so that she he could get the other bike. He was wheeling and dealing mm-hmm. and just really annoying. So I had negative reaction to his character. All right. Okay. Well, that does it for our... Hanging with Mr. Cooper episode. Yeah. So our next episode will be our final episode of season three, where we cover TJF shows, which will be Full House. Can't wait to see it for the first time. <laughs> yeah. And we also would like to remind you to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at, at the TV Yearbook, or you can email us at the TV Yearbook at gmail.com. And you can find us on Patreon. Please reach out to us and let us know what you think of the show. And also, we would love it if you would rate and review our show wherever you get your podcast. We do pay attention to those reviews, and we would love to hear from you. And speaking of reviews, <laughs> Dom and James, yeah. how yeah. was your craft soda? Dom, Yeah. what do you think? 
I understand why they call it dry. It's dry. Yeah, the vanilla was a slight hint. This is our dry, dry botanical bubbly, vanilla flavored. The Mm -hmm. vanilla, as soon as you drank it, the vanilla was there, Mm -hmm. but then it quickly disappeared. It it felt like the bubble gum that you get in. Yeah. Baseball card packages. It's there, and where it's, not. it's gum for a nanosecond, yeah. and then it ceases to be so. Yeah, yeah. I think they got to keep working on that. I am worried about how on the label it says vanilla, mm-hmm. and then underneath it says mm-hmm. naturally flavored, mm-hmm. and then later it says other natural flavors. Yeah, you can't give out every every aspect of your ingredient. Now list. the reason I'm worried about this is are you familiar where some vanilla flavoring can originate from? I'm aware. No, I'm that. not. Don, well, I, I'm not aware. So since Dom is not aware, we need to do, we? Uh, do this. And this is <laughs> online. Snopes approved. Yes, this is Sno- this is a fact. Okay, what's the fact? Okay. Now, I'm not saying it's for this company. Don't know. I'm just saying that sometimes if it's unclear, vanilla can be derived through this process. Okay. Uh, and it says the a chemical compound used in vanilla flavoring and scents comes from the anal glands of beavers. One more time. No. Uh, no, not one more time. <laughs> he heard it. Castorium is a substance that is produced by a beaver's castor sac, hey. which is found between the pelvis and the base of the tail. Thank beavers you. use this substance, which is usually brown and sticky, to mark their territory. Mm. So when it says natural flavors and then later mm. says other natural flavors. Makes you nervous. I'm wondering if a, we have now been marked by a said beaver. Well, I don't know what isotope we need to ingest now <laughs> to trace that out, but I am now really not hungry. Here, have some sprinkles. No. <laughs> well, gentlemen, I'm so glad to hear your reviews. As for my opinion on this, it is far less sugary than anything I have drunk on this show. This mm. is 16 grams of sugar. Mm. Like everything is always like 40 grams of sugar. Right. So I believe the sugar you taste it for that first second and then it just dissipates into just dry, bubbly, sparkling beverage, almost like tonic. Uh-huh. I will say when you first drink this, it tastes exactly like A&W cream soda smells yeah. mm-hmm. at the very first time. And it just tastes that for a little bit, and then it just goes away, and then you're just drinking tonic water. So overall, I mean, I like it. I think it's good. Yeah, It's going to keep me up less because of the <laughs> lack of sugar. But overall, I wanted to thank Dom for bringing these beverages. Yeah, you're welcome. Because mm-hmm. we all got to enjoy one. And for the very first time, three craft review sodas. Boom. Boom. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I did just see an article... It doesn't destroy everything, but five companies that produce vanilla unanimously stated that Castorium, which is beaver anal gland juice, is not used today in any form of vanilla sold for human use. Thank you, James. That's just five companies, though. It could be, Those it could all, be the, others. The big five. could be others. Well, let's hope that and dry botanical bubbly. Botanical sounds like flora, not fauna. Yeah. So well, we you know in a in a different angle, we've also learned that if you're trying to survive in the wild and you want to spice up a dish, just squeeze a Catch beaver real beaver, hard, kids, <laughs> <laughs> and then. <laughs> <laughs>